1: What's happening Rebels? Hope you're doing well. We have a great program today. This was, oh my goodness, during the, the lockdown. This was early, early, early on and I wanted to wait to air it. It is fantastic. Laura and I love this broadcast. We've got Jamie Sumner on the program talking about special needs kids and advocating for your kids. This is good for all parents in general about advocating for your children, and it's great for anyone who has a special needs kid or knows somebody with a special needs kid. I'm telling you, it's fire. Let's dive into it. Here's Jamie Sumner on today's edition of Rebel Parenting. What's happening, Rebels? Hi, So good to be with you today.
0: Welcome. Glad you're listening.
1: That's right. Mm,
0: You know what? I know we
1: might play this a year from now, and... (laughs) We had a whole long conversation (laughs) to begin the podcast before we turned the mics on about toilet paper hoarding because I went down to Costco and it's gone. It's gone everywhere. So that has nothing to do with the show. I just thought it was hilarious. We've got Jamie Sumner on. (laughs) Mm. Uh, Jamie, you've got a book called Eat, Sleep, Save the World. Mm -hmm. Words of encouragement for the special needs parent and I want to start with one of the statistics says one in six children ages 3 to 17 have a developmental disability. Mm. And Laura and I, and you were talking right before we started, we know so many fam. I think it's more in the open now. I wonder if in the past mm-hmm. people tried to hide developmental disabilities. They tried to hide certain things, just like don't tell anyone. We're just going to hide this. We're going to keep it to ourselves. And it feels like now we're just trying to like Take a breath. I appreciate you being on and giving Mm -hmm. us wisdom and just helping us through this subject.
2: Yeah. I feel like it was also that people didn't know what it was that people were struggling with. And so because the research wasn't there, they weren't educated enough to know what they were looking at, that there was no label before. And once there became a little bit more information, about everything, then it was easier to figure out what people were going through. Because before it was like, oh, you're just different. Sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And then that was the end of the conversation, conversation. And that was the end of the assistance, you know, is just to point it out. And then there was no help. So I think in a lot of good ways, kids are getting diagnosed with whatever they have earlier, and there's more resources for them now, which is so yeah, good. Totally. Mm, I
1: forgot fantastic. to say this. You've written for the New York Times, Washington Post. You've got nonfiction. <laughs> you've got a novel. And you've got twins who are five and a yep. son mm. with cerebral palsy who is seven, mm. and you're living in Nashville. Yes. How are you? I should have asked that in the beginning. How are you guys? So when we play this later from now and you don't remember, a tornado just went through Cookville and Nashville, and there's a lot of devastation. Are you guys okay?
2: We are okay. So the tornado happened, this is whatever day we're on right now, Wednesday. It was Tuesday of last week the tornado hit, and Mm -hmm. luckily we live south of downtown, so Mm -hmm. we heard the storm, but it didn't affect us. Yeah. Wow. didn't affect our house, but it affected us because, you know, we have so many friends whose houses mm. have been destroyed in East Nashville. And mm. the really amazing thing, though, is I've seen so many people team up to help yeah. with the rebuild. And, and it's been really amazing to watch, like, Nashville come together mm-hmm. because of this, you know. And, and then, you know, I was telling you before we started, this is how... Listeners, this is how the toilet paper conversation happened. <laughs> so I was telling them that we're closed for yeah. school for the coronavirus. And we've been closed for four days now. And we're mm. kind of waiting to see what's going to happen. Because we've had a couple cases in our district. So we had the tornado and then we had... The coronavirus, oh, wow. and so it feels very uh, post-apocalyptic. Yeah. Kind of, I, I guess I guess apocalyptic. I guess we're currently yeah. looking at things and wondering what's happening. But yeah, everything feels a little off right now, which is good. Mm. But luckily, we're all healthy and safe. And mm. I took the kids mm. on an hour-long bike ride. Slash, Charlie was in his big jogging stroller just to get energy out because they're yeah. like mm. they have you know, it. they're used to school, and when they don't have it, they start bouncing off the walls. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, we are right now not in uh, favored nation status in our school because we don't allow them to keep our 13-year-old in at recess or lunch if his homework is late. I just said, sorry, not doing it. Yeah, He's 13. He needs to be outside with his friends and running. He's not that big a fan of school anyway. He's not staying in all day. And the teachers, and I love them. They're great teachers. It's a great school. We adore the school. But they still call us regularly like, hey, can we keep him in? Nope. Nope. Still can't. Sorry.
2: (laughs) Sorry. Is that like a consequence for not getting it in on time? Is they have, he has to stay in or or...
1: if he doesn't get his homework on time, it's my fault because I'm the parent and I either
0: we're in a homeschool co-op.
1: It's like a co-op thing. So we do stuff at home. We do stuff, you know, we go to school Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, homeschool, Monday, Friday.
2: But when he is
1: overwhelmed with homework, I just tell him, no, we just won't do it tonight. And he's like, but it's going to be late. I'm like, yeah, who cares? You're in the seventh grade. No one's ever going to care yeah. ever again. We just want you to enjoy the learning process. So, so. I get it. You got to get those wiggles out yes. to get uh-huh. them to be able to, to sit down and study. So you guys go on an hour bike ride. Charlie's in his big jogger. Mm. What's that like in your family? How soon did you know? What was it like for mm. you and your husband to like deal with the issue together and you know, having twins at five, you know, with totally different bodies and different things going on. Mm. What's it like for you as a family? How do you process this on an ongoing basis?
2: So to answer one of your questions about like when we knew Mm. Charlie, I'll give you a little bit of our background. So Charlie was born super early. He was born at 30 weeks and he was diagnosed in utero with Beckwith-Wiedemann syndrome, which is an overgrowth syndrome. And what that basically led to was he was born with an enlarged tongue. And so his birth was super scary because he had no way to breathe safely oh. when he was born. And so hmm. he spent three months in the NICU. So. Oh. Wow. Past his birthday. Yeah. Yeah. When we were trying to figure out how to keep him safe because he would seem to do okay, and then he would grow a little bit and he would stop being able to breathe again. And so it was very traumatic. Yeah. And Hmm. we ended up leaving the NICU with he got a tracheotomy. So the hole in his throat to breathe. And then later, we actually had to come back for emergency surgery to get a G-tube in his belly so he could be fed that way because he was having so much trouble eating. And so the first couple years of Charlie's life were so fraught with just the unknowns. And every day felt really scary and hard because, Mm. you know, I had to use this fit in a backpack and it sounded like a lawnmower and it was this suction machine that I would use. It's like a little vacuum hose and I would use to suction out his trach because he couldn't clear his throat. I mean, you think about like every time you just need to like he couldn't get anything out because it went through the airway. So I would have to do that for him multiple times an hour. So talk about like on-call parenting. Like I just was on ready for whatever, all day, every day. He slept with an oxygen and heart rate monitor. I was going to say at night. So, yeah. No sleep. So he didn't sleep in his actual nursery for three years because he slept in our room. So all of that happened in the beginning. And then he was officially diagnosed with cerebral palsy when he turned one. They usually wait until then, but we kind of knew already. Mm -hmm. So getting that diagnosis was hard, but it opened up a lot of doors that I didn't realize it would like for therapies and for medical equipment and for things that I didn't know would make our life better. It just felt like I don't want another label for my son. I just want you to call him Charlie and just leave him be. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. But it ended up being a blessing as a lot of things that God sends our way are that feel hard and unfair. And then later you kind of look back and think that was actually for the good. Totally. Hmm. And so that was kind of the beginning. And now Charlie, he's about to turn eight and he is, I would say, thriving. I mean, he uses a wheelchair to get around yeah. and he uses a speaking device, which is kind of, it looks like an iPad to talk on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really cool because he can actually change the voice. So, like, there's a little boy's what? voice, so he can do that. But he can also make it be like an Australian lady or a British dude, or there's one that sounds like Alexa. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah, so he can change it and he can slow it down or speed it up or make oh. it repeat things. Like, if he really wants peanut butter, he yes. can make it say peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter, peanut butter over and over. Oh, my
1: goodness. You got to get him the <laughs> so, Darth Vader. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Oh, my gosh. If there's a Darth Vader voice, he will find it.
1: For sure. That is so funny. Jamie, can I ask, and if it's too personal, it's okay. What was that like with you and your husband? We know that. A lot of people, when they get either in utero diagnosis or when the baby's born, they get diagnosis, it really does put a great strain on the marriage. Mm. And it's a difficult time because, of course, you want a child. And, I mean, on average, this is just average. On average, in the first two years of a child's life who's born normal and healthy, parents lose six months of their sleep. They're losing 25% of their sleep. You're losing far more sleep than that because you're monitoring oxygen monitor, heart monitor, trach you know clogging all those types of things you're losing so much sleep all of that puts an insane amount of strain Mm. and stress on a marriage how did you guys do it
2: so it's so funny that you asked that question because the honest answer is because everything felt like a crisis You know, I was just talking about the tornadoes that happened in Nashville and how people pulled together Mm -hmm. to lean on each other. Those first years, it was almost like we didn't have any other option but to lean into each other or we would have not survived. I mean— It was like we could not afford to have conflict almost between us because Mm -hmm. there was so much else going on. It's like we don't have time to have a fight right now (laughs) because we have to take care of our son and we have to discuss whether we're going to have major tongue surgery or, you know, do we need to call 911 right now because his oxygen stats are low? Like you don't really have time to have a fight. So if I'm being honest, Mm. now is actually the season of life that's harder in marriage than then because now there aren't major health concerns. Mm -hmm. There are the more mild systemic parenting concerns and relational concerns that we're navigating every day. I mean, like, charlie is seven the twins are five Mm. everybody doesn't get a lot i mean it's not like a disney movie over here like people are fighting people are throwing things (laughs) you know jody and i are trying to figure out when we're actually going to have a conversation with each other that one isn't about the kids and two is away from the kids i mean now is harder i think on a marriage in this kind of middle ground that we're in than when charlie was little and I know that a lot of parents of kids with special needs, a lot of those marriages end in divorce because it is so hard to stay the course Mm -hmm. for the whole, you know, for the long haul. But we've really had to be more intentional now than we've ever had to be about our marriage and our relationship.
0: Well, that's encouraging Uh, for, I would say, parents that maybe have just got the diagnosis or just realizing it to... You know, because it makes sense what you're saying. Yeah. At first, you just bond together and like, okay, let's weather this storm together. Yep. You think of human nature, just people like, okay, we're just going to dig deep and grit it out. And then the middle comes like mm-hmm. the whole like, it oh, did that with us. Yeah, like uh, how are we uh, gonna? Function? We only had
1: colic. Lincoln was colicky for seven months, so he screamed.
2: Oh, listen, do not say only colic. Well, <laughs> because one <laughs> colic is no joke. It wasn't it's serious. I always, tell, I always tell people like you can't compare stories because right. what oh, the way you feel that colic is how I feel all the stuff with Charlie. So it's the same level of intensity, no matter what you're dealing with. It was seven but talk months. Talk about lack of sleep. Yeah, yeah. colic, man.
1: I stayed up for seven months. I stayed up from 7.30 at night till 5.30 in the morning. Mm. And I'd play Xbox and change and feed Lincoln and swaddle and diaper and feed and just over and over and (laughs) over and over. And And I went a little bit insane. Like literally
0: a little bit Cuckoo.
1: I can remember doing, like I got into a fight with a guy on an airplane over the armrest. Like we legitimately were like, like both of us were doing this. (laughs) Yeah. And there's that part of my brain going, what are you doing, you dummy? You're an adult. And the other part's like, it's my armrest. I deserve the, you know, it was just, I was so tired for so long. And Mm. I don't remember us fighting during, like we didn't have the energy to fight with each other. It was just, I would go to sleep at 5.30 and hand Lincoln off to Laura and just be like, sorry, I don't know. Like, I had no answer. I had no help. I had no solution. It was just, he likes the canister vacuum. And you turn it on really loud. Like, oh, I thought I was going to die. Yeah. You know. And then mm-hmm. you start getting out of that. You're right. And then that's when I started going to therapy and started going to a doctor and, like, working on things because it was just trying to get physically get out of survival mode where you're just like, huh, what?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know,
1: at every little thing. Yeah, That
2: startle reflex. Yeah, totally.
0: Well, yeah, Yeah. I know all moms struggle a little bit with guilt on some level, but you have talked about in your book about like special needs guilt. Mm. Could you explain a little bit about that for us? Because I'm pretty intrigued.
2: Yeah, Mm. I think all parents have that guilt because there's always... If you're paying enough attention, Mm -hmm. there's always something that you could be doing better in your parenting. Mm -hmm, For sure. And kids are so great at giving you a guilt trip. I mean, they're such good little emotional manipulators, whether they even mean to or not. Yep. And the special needs guilt, I would say, it's just another layer of intensity. Because when your child needs you more than other kids may need their parents, that is a heavier weight that you're carrying all the time. I mean, Mm -hmm. there's always a list of, I could be stretching Charlie's legs out more. Mm -hmm. I could be pursuing this other experimental therapy. I could Mm -hmm. be working harder with him on his speaking device at Mm -hmm. home and he could progress faster. And so there feels like there's this weight on Mm -hmm. you of all the things you're not doing. And so one of the things that I wanted for Eat Sleep Save the World, one of the things I wanted to really lean into was to encourage parents to flip that perspective and instead be able to focus on all the things that they are doing well. Because you're always gonna know, it's like negative comments on social media. You always hone in on the negative negative, yep, yep, yep. and it's so um, much harder to lean into the good. Um, And But it makes you a better human and a better parent if you can see all the ways that God has created you, you uniquely to be your child's mother or father and the gifts that he's given you that you do use really well Mm -hmm. to be able to parent them. And then that's really the only way to ease that guilt is to see what you're doing well and to choose to lean into that and feel stronger in that instead of let the other just sink you. Yeah. Depress you and that's take so over. Deep.
1: Yeah. And everybody mm-hmm. needs that. Yeah. Like, even if you're like, I'm just doing the best I can. Yeah, but that's a lot. <laughs> and it's a lot more than some people. It's a people. lot. It is. so much. It's a yes. lot. Yeah. Mm. Like, me just staying up all night with Lincoln was so, it was so much. Mm. You know, were there more? Th- I mean, we tried everything. We tried, we bought the little tiny package of gold formula that was supposed Oh, to, I know
2: like, exactly what you're talking about. You know what I'm talking about. about? Yeah, it's like
1: five times as much as a regular one. And you just stare at him when you feed him like, is it better? Are you going to cry? Is it better? Do you feel better? Is this going to work? Is this the thing that's going to work? And then he starts screaming. You're like, nope, didn't work. Yeah. You know, back to the regular, whatever. Mm. It's right. Read yesterday, there's a guy I followed Instagram, and I'm always so encouraged by it, but it was like, look at yourself in the mirror, tell yourself that you love yourself. Like, Mm -hmm. I do. I'm really doing a good job. I'm trying really hard. I've stuck with this. I haven't cut and run. I Mm. didn't bail out. I'm in this for the long haul. All those things, you're like, I know, but who wouldn't do that? Lots of people wouldn't. Lots of people wouldn't do that. You're doing a great job. Mm.
2: Even if you're staring at yourself in the mirror and you literally cannot say that to yourself, Mm. I would say you can always say, but God loves me more than anything. And so if you can't summon Mm. that enough energy or whatever you're thinking about is weighing too heavily on your conscience, like just let yourself know that no matter what terrible thing you're dwelling on or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. God loves you. He loves you so much. I mean, like you think how much you love your kid. He loves you so much more than that. And then let that be the truth that you walk away with if you can't forgive yourself or Let whatever go, at least let that be what you remember. Oh, for sure.
1: Can I say something in there too? There were times where I was just like, oh my goodness, you've got to stop crying. Like you just got to stop crying. Like you've got to stop crying. And this is what I say. I don't excuse people that shake their babies, but I certainly understand it. And I know that sounds terrible and awful, and how could you even say that? Especially at rebel parenting. But when you've lost all the sleep in the world, and you are so sleep-deprived, and you're just, I didn't think it would be this way, and I don't know what to do. And I'm so yeah. helpless, and I've got yeah. no answers, and I'm, I've been helpless for the last 50 days in a row, and you said it was going to only last two or three months, and we're going on five months, and I don't know what to do. I never did, but I just, there were times where I would go into Lord and be like, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. And she would go, I love you. It's okay. And she would, I mean, I'm so, Mm. so grateful that there were times where Laura would see the look on my face and go, can I hold him? I would like run from the room and be like, yes, yes, you can. You can hold him. I'm just. We've had those moments too. Yes. Where
2: I literally have walked out of the house barefoot and down the road after handing Charlie to Jody and just breathed, like just. First I hyperventilated a little bit and Mm -hmm. then until I could breathe normally, I didn't come back. I just walked up and down our street like a crazy lady and that's fine because Mm. it got me through that moment Yeah, and then I came back. Hmm. So what are some of the things with that you
0: suggest for moms in your situation as far as staying grounded? And I mean, breathing is huge. What are some other things you've done? Mm.
2: I think, so for me, one of the biggest, and this has to do with, Less about the guilt idea and more about worry and anxiety because I feel like, I mean, nobody knows what their child's future is going to look like, but I think parents tend to operate under, okay, this is the general trajectory they're on, if I could just take a stab at it, you know? Yeah. And when your child won't even kind of hit those Mm -hmm. developmental milestones from the very beginning and you're kind of off the grid from the very beginning, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of unknowns, a lot of unknowns. Like we don't know if Charlie will ever be able to live on his own or hold a job. We're assuming at this point that he won't and he's going to be with us. And we always will go for walks and we'll be like, that would be a great house for us and Charlie later on because it's downtown and we can walk to everything and he can roll to everything. So we have these conversations, but Mm -hmm. all that to say, there's so much worry and anxiety about the future that the biggest thing for me when I kind of start to spiral out into that Mm -hmm. is at this point, I can look back on the crisis moments that really had me feeling crazy and feeling completely out of control. Like I remember Mm -hmm. I had just given Charlie a bath and I was putting his pajamas on. Twins were not even one. And so Charlie was not even three. And he started to shake so hard. I couldn't get his pajamas on. And I look up at him and he's having a seizure. He's having a huge seizure that I cannot stop. Mm -hmm. I don't even know where to put my hands on him, Mm -hmm. much less help him. And I remember I hear Jody call 911 paramedics come, they rush him away. They won't even let me sit in the back of the ambulance with him. Like I've never felt more ineffectual as a parent than in that moment. And, but then I can now look back on that and remember that God carried us through that. He carried us through the seizure. He carried us through all the meetings with the neurologist. And because I can look back on that as actual evidence that God was there, like it's not some fluffy feeling that God is hovering in the air over me. Like yeah. That is actual evidence that God yeah. takes care of us because I'm all about I need to see the proof. Yes, that is proof. And I if I remember those times that felt absolutely horrific mm. and then remember mm. that I'm here now yeah, and we survived. And not only that, but Charlie's amazing. He doesn't have seizures anymore. You know, that to me eases some of that worry and anxiety because I can kind of give myself the distance from it yeah. by all of those memories. Yeah.
1: I just saw a saying that said, you've already survived 100% of your worst days. And I was like, what? Oh, I love that. oh. wow. And then you look back on those days The ones that you think, I'm not going to get through this day. I won't live through this day. I won't live through this trauma. I won't live through this experience. I won't live through this pain. I won't make it through this. And it's been years now. Like, oh, Mm. I survived 100% of my worst days. Mm. And that's something. Like, that's something to be proud of. Like, I don't want to go dwell on the negative. But Mm. every now and then, you got to go back and be like, man. Like, we (laughs) we go to this therapist. Laura and I go to one together. We go to one separately, then we go to one together. And I love it when she's like, I'm not kidding. I don't know many people that would have lasted if they were you. And I'm (laughs) like, what? And she's like, I'm telling you, you guys are together. You didn't take a bullet. You didn't split up. I don't know many people that could have lasted. And it's like, you should be proud of yourselves. And it's like, oh, thank you. Like, it's that weird double-edged sword. Like, oh, okay. And it's also like, you know what? We're pretty Mm. cool. We lasted. Mm. We did this stuff.
2: Hmm. Well, and I think so many people don't stop and let themselves feel that yeah, like if sure. they're just trudging on to the next hard thing yeah, or worrying, right. like I said, about the next hard thing. And they don't stop and let themselves feel all the things they've overcome, Yeah, mm-hmm. which you, sh- I mean, that is nourishment for your soul to let yourself remember all of those things. And, you know, do a little fist pump that you actually are here. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: For sure. Yeah. For sure. Mm. You talk in the book about the disability paradox. Can you explain that more for our listeners?
2: Yeah. So this is something I read about. And it's basically this idea that people who have a disability tend to be on average as happy or happier than people without a disability. Yep. Oh, yeah. So, yep. so that's kind of this idea. Mm-hmm. But okay. So I talk about it in a couple of different ways, but the thing that struck me when I read that was because Charlie is so happy. I mean, he is my happiest child. (laughs) He is just laughing and ready to, if you do not wave at him, he will wave at you until you wave back. Like he wants to engage with you. And so it is true. Charlie's happy. But in my mind, I never liked the idea that you link the disability with the paradox. Like, first of all, why is it a paradox that he's happy Mm -hmm. just because he's in a wheelchair? I mean, like I know a lot of people that are miserable and they can walk around on two legs. And I don't think happiness is to being able to walk or not walk. Right. And so the thing that struck me was I think Charlie is happy because he's Charlie. Mm. You know, I think the people that are happy are happy because that's how they were created to be. I don't think it's because of his disability no. that he's happy. It's the not link. Like he's yeah. simpler and more appreciative of life sure. because he has a disability and therefore he's happy. Right. So, me, mm. the thing that I always try to do, and I think this is so important, is to separate Charlie from the disability. Like, he is not... His disability. That's not who he is. And so when I think of his happiness, I think of it as just part of his personality. It's not a result of his cerebral palsy. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of why I wanted to write about it because I wanted readers who might not be parents or caregivers of children with special needs, but I don't like the assumption that because you have a disability, you are somehow simpler or more appreciative because I think the key thing to remember is that you're just human and everybody's human and they've all got their stuff. It may not be that you're in a wheelchair, but you've got your stuff that you're dealing with. And so that to me was really important to distinguish.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if there are outside people that don't understand the situation or are viewing it like, and there's this kind of pity like, Oh, I'm, I feel pity. And you're like, no, no, no. It's not across the board. It's not every child with a disability. But on average, people with disabilities are happier than those without. So there's this, Mm -hmm. don't look down on my son. Mm, Like, it's not, he's fine, but he's fine. He's doing well. He's a very cheerful, happy kid. And he's got parents that love and support him. And that's what he needs.
2: Mm. Right, exactly. Mm. It's kind of that idea, like you see, because... Characters in TV shows or in books that have a disability that tend to be the sidekicks character, like yeah. you know, they're yeah. the sidekick, right. yeah, and they're always portrayed a little less three dimensionally mm-hmm. as the other characters, and it's like they exist to propel the plot of these other people, it's like lazy writing. And I, I like, yeah, like I, that's why I think it's important not to just assume because of this disability paradox idea that you can know someone because of what you see about them. Yes. Because think about that. It's so complex. It's like when you first met your spouse or your significant other, what drew you to them initially, that's not necessarily the thing that keeps you going for decades and decades. It's as you get to know them more that you learn all the three-dimensional things about them and then, you stick, you yeah. know? That's especially and true so- for
1: Laura and I. We got engaged after three <laughs> weeks and married five months later. So we hadn't known each other six months on our wedding yeah. date. Yeah, we yeah. met on a blind date, and we got married five months and 21 days later.
2: Yeah. Oh, you're, like, saying your vows, and you're like, wait, what's your middle yeah. name again? When, when, when <laughs> were you
1: born? Oh, it took me every now and then I have to ask Laura how to spell her middle name. Is it two Ts or one T? And She's like, it's been 15 years. It's two Ts. Come on. I'm like, oh, okay, I know. Yeah. Yeah.
0: We're still getting to know each other. I knew it. Yeah. How can other moms and other families support people?
1: Yes. What would you want them to know? Yeah. yeah. How do they, when they see you in the park, when they're with you at church, what do you want? What do you don't want?
2: Yeah. Okay. This is such a good question. (laughs) And I'm so excited to answer it. Mm. So here's the thing that I always see. There is this, need to be polite and not awkward that keeps people from engaging like we wish they would so for example you know how kids like kids will say anything right so I have kids all the time that run up to Charlie and I in the park and they're like why you have those wheels or why can't you talk or can you stand up out of that thing and how do you get dressed? And they are not shy to talk about it. And then their parents scurry up after yeah, them and, and them smile back. and then kind of like herd them away. Right. And, mm. and and they're doing it from a good place because they want to be polite and nobody wants an awkward conversation. But what I would say and what I want is please be awkward. Yeah. Like, please mm. be awkward with us and come up and engage because what you don't want is to not feel seen. Like I would much rather have an awkward conversation than to feel like you don't even see me and you're just walking by and you kind of don't want to make eye contact and you don't want to cause a scene. Like to me, Mm. we're just having a day, like please enter our day and enter our little circle. And I know now like life is more insular and people stay in their bubble. Mm. That makes them feel safe like on social media, but also in real life. And so you don't want to cause waves. But what I always say in church and in out in the world, like don't be afraid to ask a question, even if it feels like a dumb question, Mm. because then at least we're having a conversation and it's not you and us walking our separate paths. Like that would be the biggest thing I would say to people is please come up and say, hi, you know, We would love that. We would love to have a chance to share a little bit of our life with you. Mm, that's encouraging.
1: So. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And you're right. People don't want to be offensive and they don't want to offend. They want to be polite. Right. And so in lieu of having an awkward conversation, it's like, I'll just say nothing. It's like, don't say nothing. Yeah. Then I'm alone. Right. right. Then I'm sitting here I'm alone wondering, right. do you see me? Like yeah. we're sitting here together. I'm next to you. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Mm. Just be awkward.
2: And parenting a child with special needs can already feel so lonely because oh, you that. already feel outside the circle. Yeah. You know, you can't always say yes to birthday party invitations at the trampoline park if your child's in a wheelchair. You know, you can't always do all the play dates mm-hmm. and even if you want to. Yeah. And so to ease that isolation, you know, be willing to ask a dumb question, yeah. you know. Be
0: willing and, to be and, awkward.
1: Yeah. And yes, yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm. That's encouraging because I know for me, especially as a younger mom, when I was new to being a mom, I would hesitate. Like I wouldn't know exactly like should I say something or, you know, just because I didn't know what to do. And now after, you know, I'm going to be 50 soon. It's like, okay, we're all human. We're all in this together. Maybe that mom needs a hug or maybe that mom needs to know she's doing a great job. Yeah, you know. Yeah, as for moms. So,
1: mm. you know what's funny? You know who helped me with this? I don't know if you know who Nick Vujicich is. He was born without arms and legs. He's got a life without limits. Uh, wait, wait,
2: wait. He he's married yeah. and he has a couple kids. Yes, yeah. I know who that yeah. is. Yes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Out of the blue, Nick called me, or someone that knew me that knew Nick called me and was like, "Hey, he's going to be in town." You know, he's a huge fan of your dad. Any way you can introduce him? And I'm like, yeah, totally. And they're like, really? I'm like, yeah, he's in his office by himself right now. He's doing nothing. I'll call him. And so I got him in and they became friends. And then Nick was like, hey, I want to hang out. And I was like, okay. And I can remember being like, I don't know what to do. I can't shake your hand. Oh, right,
2: right, right. What do I do here?
1: And he'd be like, hey, come hug me. And I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it was like that he was he's such a great icebreaker. He'd be like, "Hug me. Put your arms around me. Yeah. Let's take a picture." You know, and he would just force me into it. Not like I was, you know, has I just didn't know what to do. And I'm like, "Um, uh what do we do here, you know?" Mm-hmm. And yeah. he just like he bowled straight through all those things to then then all of a sudden we were having different conversations because I wasn't thinking oh, I can't believe I stuck my hand out to shake your hand. Like, you know, I feel so stupid. And he's like, you know, Mm. whatever, bro. And Mm. then we talked and we became friends. And it was like, oh, this is so helpful. Just pushing past that with me. Does it feel like a burden sometimes, though, when you have to do that with lots and lots of people? Are you ever now just like, come on, just say hi. Mm. Yeah.
2: You know, well, yeah. I mean, it does get hard to always be the one that engages. Which is why you know I said what I said because it can get difficult because you know you're tired and you you have all the things yeah. on your mind that everybody else does mm-hmm. but then you're also mindful of trying to be an advocate for your child and I think that's where God's grace comes in because it's like what you were talking about with the colic it's like just when you think you pushed to your edge there you find a little bit more there to keep going yeah. you know what I mean that. You can do the next night, you know, and God also, I've seen so many times right when I'm on the brink of just, I'm so tired of this. I'm tired of fighting for the things that I think Charlie deserves. I just want them to come to us. God will do it. Like he, Mm -hmm. I was in the grocery store once and this woman, I'm with Charlie and he's in the top basket and he clearly is too big for the top basket, you know, and you can tell he's different and she comes up to me and she literally, she goes, can I give you a hug? And at first I was like, what, what? <laughs> and, she, and she said, I used to work with kids with special needs in the school district. And I, I just see you. And I want you to know that I see you. And she hugged me. And I swear I cried a little bit on that woman's shoulders. Sure. Like, I, if, I could have, if I could have whispered. Hold me a little longer. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it was so, so precious. It was so kind. And so that happens more often than not that right when I feel like I can't keep doing this, mm-hmm. things like that will happen. Like I noticed that our park actually did a remodel and they put a handicap swing mm-hmm. in the park. Wow. And like I can't tell you what a big deal that is that somebody thought about us. Before we got there, it's like not us, but somebody thought about a kid like no, Charlie it you, and, it and sure. they made <laughs> it yeah. for us. Yeah. I didn't have to fight for it. Right. Somebody thought about it mm. and it was just there and it was like a gift just waiting for us. Oh, that's awesome.
1: That's awesome. Jamie, my goodness, yeah. what Ooh. a treat. It has been so much fun talking to you. <laughs> Thank, mm-hmm. you. Thank, Thank you. Thanks for this book, for being transparent. Mm-hmm. It's so helpful when someone's just honest and they're like, well, you know, like this mm. is just what life is. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: Thank you.
1: Thank you for being I'm on. not afraid
2: to be awkward. <laughs> yeah. I'll just say whatever. <laughs> awesome.
1: thank well, you. thank you. And if you ever do anything, you want to come on, you want to talk about new stuff, just let us know. We'd love to have you back.
2: Yes. Oh, thank you so much. You guys are wonderful. Oh,
1: thank oh, you. Man. Thank you so much, Rebels, for listening to the program. Thanks for sharing this with your friends and family. Stay safe. Stay healthy. Get back out there and work. Thank you for listening to us. Thanks for supporting us financially. I appreciate it so very much. Head to RebelParenting.org. Click on the Donate tab. It's all tax deductible. We appreciate it very, very much. God bless. We'll see you soon. Rebel Parenting is produced by Rebel
0: Media House. And when you need a little help with your marriage or parenting, and everyone does, you can find it at rebelparenting.org. Sign up for the Rebel Update by texting the word REBEL to 444 That's R-E-B-E-L and the number is 444 We love it when you share Rebel Parenting with your friends and family, so thank you. God bless. Thanks for spending your time with us. And we'll see you next time for another episode of Rebel Parenting.